Welcome to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. Hello, friends. This is Evangelist Joshua Wagner. Excited to talk to you on our podcast today about our most recent crusade in Ethiopia. And joining me on this podcast is my father, Dr. Kevin Wagner, who has just now returned from Africa from what was just a really an outstanding crusade. And we're just excited to hear about what Jesus did at this crusade. And so, uh, Dad, why don't you just uh, start off by telling us a little about where this crusade was, um, what sort of, uh, you know, travel took you there. I know that this crusade was even a little different in that we we did a little bit of ministry on the front end even before we got uh, to our crusade city. And so maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, where you were and an uh, overview of what happened. Thanks, uh, Josh. Uh, yeah, it was obviously a great trip. Jesus showed up every night, every day, just as we expected him to. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Uh, he did amazing things, both in terms of salvation, deliverance, and healing. Uh, I'll talk about the front end of the trip first, because this was a bit unique. So for a while now, you know, God has really placed the Persian Gulf nations on my heart. Uh, nations of Saudi Arabia, the UAE, uh, Qatar, and, and the others. And I often fly through the nation of Qatar, which is a small nation that's sitting on the world's largest natural gas reservoirs. And as such, it's become the, um, the wealthiest nation in the world per capita. And it's, of course, com virtually completely Muslim, except for expatriates that live and work there. And so when I'm flying through there all the time, I really, I, I spend time in the Muslim prayer rooms praying the power of Jesus down on, on that nation uh, as I'm in the airports. I hand out tracts in the airports, uh, in the airport, pardon me. But I've never actually left the airport and entered Qatar. And so I wanted to do that for a while. So on this trip, it was exciting because uh, I scheduled, before I got to Ethiopia, three nights in Qatar where I could just do spiritual warfare, prayer, and intercession. That was my plan, at least. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, bringing, inviting Jesus to come in and change that nation for him, spiritual awakening there, um, inviting, and, and I was planning on doing track distribution, etc. A week before, because I knew no one in the country, so I had no contacts there or anything. I was just going to spend time there doing this. A week before that, I met up with a friend of mine from Pakistan, and he, I met up with him in Dallas, and I was telling him that, in a few days, I'll be flying to Qatar. He says, who are you staying with? And I said, well, no one. I was just going to be doing prayer and uh, track distribution. And he said, well, let me put in touch with some friends of mine there. So he did. And so within a, a short time then, I was communicating with some of this fellow's friends uh, in Qatar who live and work there. And what happened was I got to preach three times in three days there in the in Indian and Pakistani churches. And I have some really good friends there now that just became like brothers and sisters to me while I was there. These are all expatriates at work um, and live in Qatar. And I was able to learn a lot about the church dynamics there and the environment for um, Christians in Qatar, which is really, really in many ways very concerning. Uh, 
but suffice it to say, I'm really excited about spending some more time there as I fly into other parts of the Middle East and Asia and Africa. It, the, middle, the UAE and Qatar are very good places to transit into the rest of the world that we fly into. And so it was great, along with praying and interceding and spiritual warfare and track distribution, I was also able to preach and develop good relationships with some of the Christian communities there. So it's exciting to, to see that. I know that God is going to, I believe God is going to use me um, and people that I know to win the king of Qatar's heart to Jesus. Amen. And that he is going to declare his nation a Christian country and that he is going to use the vast resources and finances of Qatar to finance the great end time harvest of souls that is coming. Yeah, I mean, that's just a fantastic testimony. <clears throat> Literally a, a week before you were going there, uh, you had no idea that any opportunities for actual ministry was going to be happening. And then uh, through supernatural occurrences, you know, you're able to get... Uh, to preach three different times and just shows how the Lord is able to guide and direct our steps as we are obedient to him. Now, after your ministry there in, uh, in Qatar, uh, among this Muslim nation, we went to another nation, uh, where there were, of course, uh, there's also a lot of Muslims in Ethiopia as well as tribal religions. And the ministry that we were doing there is the real focus and the reason for why you went. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, where you were doing ministry in Ethiopia? Okay, great question, Josh. Uh, the place that we went was Metu, a city called Metu. It's in a strongly Muslim region of Ethiopia, and I can say after doing a number of crusades in Ethiopia, it was evident that this was certainly uh, the place that we saw the most evidence of Islam, people committed to Islam and just general influence of Islam. The... Um, the, the prayer calls woke us up every morning at 5 in the morning. That doesn't always happen when you're in Ethiopia because some places are much less Muslim. Uh, we met people on the street who would refuse to pray for us because they were Muslim, even to re receive prayer from us. Um, but in spite of that, <coughs> it's about a 12-hour drive from the capital city of Addis Ababa. And in spite of that... Uh, fact that, that it was highly Muslim, I, those are places that, of course, we really want to go because they're the most desperate for Jesus. We saw very good crowds um, each of the days and the nights that we did crusade meetings. We actually did six crusade meetings in five days. We doubled up some days. Um, we had, uh, as I said, good crowds. Uh, the weather, for the most part, was good. We had a bit of rain on the last day, but it didn't dampen anyone's spirits, no pun intended. It was uh, the crowd stuck around, and God showed up. We did some really mighty miracles there. We had a great uh, pastor's conference. We had the altars. Many, So many people were coming to the altars for salvation. It was just one of those typical excellent crusades that we seem to always have in Ethiopia. Well, that, that is really so exciting as... Uh, we're always so grateful for what Jesus does at these crusades. It's, it sounds to me like you were in a very rural area of the country in that it was, uh, you know, it took 12 hours to get there. Um, in addition to all the flying, uh, another 12 hour drive once you get to the capital and, uh, an area and a city that has really never had any ministry, uh, crusade like this before. And, um, 
You mentioned that we had five days of, of ministry. Uh, maybe you could just speak a little bit about the ministry that was done with the local Christians, the pastors that were there, and uh, the process there that they are, uh, that, you know, we started with them that's now continuing on. We had about, uh, we had a multi-day leaders conference for the pastors and local Christian leaders in that region. And we had um, approximately 500 local leaders there. And it was a powerful time of, of preaching. Obviously, we laid hands on each of them and for impartation uh, at the end. But I think the thing that I was really motivating them to do this week was to do the work of an evangelist, A, and second of all, to um, increase their vision for what God has for them in terms of reaching the nations around them for Christ. Because in East Africa, God's just been doing a great work of revival in Ethiopia. Since the early 90s, we've seen the demographically, we've seen the, the number of born-again Christians, people who identify as born-again Christians, rise from 2%, which was what it was at the end of the communist regime in the early 90s, to today where we're at a population of about 20% of the second largest nation in Africa, a nation that has over 100 million people. So <clears throat> we're talking about a sizable, incredible increase um, of, of you know, strong magnitude in Ethiopia. And I was connecting the dots for them, you know, it's like God is doing this great work in your nation. Now, what's your responsibility? Well, your responsibility is to pour out as missionaries into other nations. It's similar to what South, Af South uh, Korea has done, you know, when they grew from essentially zero Christians in the 1950s to almost 30% of the population now, and they become the second largest center of missionaries in the world in that time. And so I really tried to raise, raise the awareness of the leaders, you know, look, uh, this revival, <coughs> it's for you, but it's not just for you. It's for the nations around you. It's for Somalia. It's for Yemen. It's for uh, Sudan. It's for South Sudan. It's for Eritrea. And uh, it was powerful. You know, another really great thing, too, is one of the most powerful miracles that I saw that week what happened just outside this last day of the pastor's conference, we're going out to our car, and here's a woman who was <clears throat> waiting outside the building for prayer. Well, she was crippled. She'd been crippled so long that she actually put sandals on her hands because she dragged herself along by her hands mm -hmm. on the ground. So she's wearing sandals, but they're not on her feet. They're on her hands. Mm. And it was, it was, I've never, you know, I've never hardly seen that anywhere, but that happened outside the, the place. And so I spent a few minutes praying for her. There were, we were surrounded by many, many of the local leaders. And I was praying for her, and I was just really commanding uh, the spirits of infirmity to be gone from her body, just the way that uh, Paul was doing the same thing in Acts chapter uh, 14 when there was a crippled man in the city of Lystra and after praying for her she wanted to try to stand mm. and she threw away her sandals mm. from her hands <coughs> and she and I helped her to her feet there was me and another person helped her to her feet. 
And within a few short minutes, she was walking and she was, she walked out of the, the building where the church was, you know, the church building grounds. And she was walking down the street. And of course, you know, her legs were weak because they, the muscles hadn't been used for such a long time. But the sandals, she was, the sandals that she used came to the meeting with on her hands were now being used on her feet to walk mm. away. And I can still see that in my mind's eye. It was just such a beautiful uh, image. So you don't want to underestimate what God wants to do at these leaders' conferences. Sometimes we think that the Crusades is where all this stuff happens. But really what we're asking, what we're looking at is um, God wants to do this everywhere. And we just need to be um, open and ready for that. So that was great. Man, that is a fantastic testimony. It reminds me of blind Bartimaeus who before receiving his miracle took that step of faith and <coughs> threw aside his mm-hmm. um, his uh, his cloak which was a yeah. significant valuable to a blind man at that time and uh, just like blind Bartimaeus this woman threw aside those sandals al- although temporarily because she eventually needed them for her feet but a great sign of her faith, um, and what a powerful miracle that Jesus, uh, a testimony that Jesus still does miracles, of course, today. Now, speaking of the crusade, where we also see many miracles take place, uh, the greatest miracle being salvation, uh, and many of these people that came to the crusade over the course of six nights, I would imagine that the uh, crowds from the beginning to the end grew, as they usually do at our crusades, um, maybe you could just tell us what it was like, uh, you know, looking out on the crowd of people that final night and, uh, maybe any other testimony you'd like to share from the crusade itself. Of course. I mean, I, I think that, yes, it's a common thing for the crowds to grow significantly as the week goes on. People hear about the testimonies of healing and also salvations. And, and of course the crowds, the word gets around that Jesus is in the place and Jesus is irresistible. So, um, yes, I mean, some nights I just felt such an, uh, a sense that uh, the Lord was calling so many to salvation that I know one of the nights I even had two altar calls for salvation. Hmm. One at the very beginning of the service because there were people, I knew there were people ready uh, from past nights, you know, that wanted to come, and then at the end too. So it was fantastic, you know, just to see the multitudes flock to the Lord, the, you know, we, we, we saw, again, God used signs and wonders to really cement the truth of who Jesus is in these people. That the one true God is Jesus Christ, not the false God of Islam or some other tribal deity. And so to see situations where mute tongues were speaking, it was fantastic. Well, that, that truly is fantastic. And one of the things that is such a exciting thing for us is when, uh, you know, we have the privilege of being able to observe these crusades and the miracles that Jesus does and the things that are happening on a regular basis. But we um, are also so overjoyed when other people who are not ordinarily able to be a part of these events are able to experience these events. And, um, and so we actually had a few people from around the world, some people from, uh, uh, some from Euro- uh, you know, people from Europe and Canada, uh, friends of ours who joined us on this trip. 
and were able to observe the workings of Jesus for themselves. And in fact, uh, our most recent newsletter was written by one of those who joined us, uh, a young woman from Canada. And uh, maybe just share with us, sort of in closing, just the impact that we believe even those sorts of things can have on people who are observing what Jesus is doing, uh, maybe for the first time in a scenario like this. One of our <clears throat> goals is to raise up uh, evangelists of all ages from nations around the world to go out and do the same things that we're doing for God. And so this is another example of a person who now feels called to the nations themselves and uh, is beginning active pursuit of, of something like that for themselves. So, um, you know, for, for people to come on a trip like this for the first time, to witness with their own eyes what they saw, what they have heard other people report on. I know how I felt when I was a young man uh, going on a crusade with Reiner Bonnke to Nigeria and seeing the things that I did and to come back and right after that start our own ministry 20 years ago and now to be able to be in a position where by God's grace we're able to help others uh, witness the same things. We always try to give as much opportunity for these uh, people who come with us to preach and minister as possible and uh, be involved in as much of the crusade experience as possible firsthand so that they can really make a decision in their own lives. It's like, is God, is God calling me to support ministries like this or is God calling me to actually do this? And that's a decision that only they can answer in, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and it's like these crusades of ours give them an opportunity to answer that question. And uh, if you'd like to hear more about um, what that experience was like for one of those who joined us, I just encourage you to go to wagnerministries.org where you can read about um, uh, this young woman, Cassia, who went with us and, and what she saw as she uh, went on this trip with us. And if you're at all uh, interested in ever joining us on one of these trips, we love to bring others with us to experience what Jesus is doing, uh, not just in North America, as we're often accustomed to, but uh, around the world in such fantastic ways. So, listen, Dad, thank you so much for just sharing with us about uh, just a little bit, a window into what Jesus did when you were in Matu, Ethiopia, this last uh, week or this last month. And we just are so excited for the work that has been started there, being confident that God, who has began a good work there, will bring it to completion, and that the uh, many who have received Jesus as Lord are now being discipled by those local churches, and the, uh, the pastors and leadership there are going to continue the work that's been started so that not just Ethiopia, but as you encourage them, the country surrounding it may be one to Jesus as well. And so we just thank the Lord for your obedience and uh, your willingness to go, and we thank all of you who are listening, who have been praying and supporting us to help make these sorts of stories and uh, trips a reality where uh, people are being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so we thank you for that, and we look forward to sharing with you next month about our next crusade, which will be in a different city in, in Africa. Uh, and Dad, you're going to be leaving for that in just a couple weeks. So we are expectant for what Jesus will do there. But we praise God for this trip, and Amen. we thank the Lord for what he's done and what he continues to do. Thank you all for listening, and uh, God bless. 
thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.